0: Yeah, TV topics first. Oh, Matt, no, can you give me uh,
1: can you give me give 60 seconds? I'll be right back.
0: What, you got to pee?
1: Well, I wanted to be discreet about it, but yeah. <laughs> she
2: wants right. to watch seasons one through six real quick, so she can... <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, wait, we're going to talk about, <laughs> about the TV it. show? Well, Let me go refresh, okay.
1: Be right back. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous.
0: All right.
2: Recorded live.
0: And in usual unpreparedness, Matt forgot to open up his dock. <laughs> so let's uh hello there, everybody. Matt here. I wanted to take a, just a moment right up here up top so that everybody will be sure to hear it. I wanted to thank people who have left reviews in whatever podcast app you use, and that includes Carlos. 1122 in the UK iTunes Store. McTish, parentheses Trish, in the Ireland iTunes Store. Exciting. And in the US iTunes Store, we have Tappin' Along, Miguel the Andal, Jack D 1965, and D Town Piston Fan in. Again, the U.S. iTunes store. Thank you all so much for taking the time to leave me a written review. You have no idea how much that helps me stay more noticeable among other great Game of Thrones podcasts because there's a bunch of them out there. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen and to leave me written reviews. Hope you enjoy our 300th episode.
3: We have a montage
0: of useless sound. Singer, play for our guest while he whilst eh, singer, play for our guest whilst he eats. You know the song I trust. Which I guess signifi- signif- <laughs> signifies him being a guard. Eh, way to butcher that, Matt. P.S. Love the show.
1: Robert and Wyman. <clears throat> Rob, how are we saying it? Robert?
0: However Robert. you want is fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Robert? Three eggs were described in uh, egg, um... Pardon me. Crosby. So. <laughs>
2: this raven is to Maester Matthias Dr- who's on Dragonstone. No, no, no. It's, 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 That's Mattress. It's Mattress, Bubba. We have located Arya Stark. She has become a Guest of the Brotherhood. Ooh, it's so interesting. I, you know what? I only wish that he could hear you say it because when you say "guest," yes. it sounds far dirtier than what I actually think you mean. Listen, there's, there's something else we found, Matthias Yeah, yeah. Tell him about that. Matthias potato, potato. Let's call. Wait, did we let me finish? <laughs> I did I didn't. Wasn't in that one. Here we go.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at WinterfellPod. <laughs> See you later. Well, and I was sitting there thinking that maybe those stumps were cut down. That the the, the stumps were what helped make uh, the uh, the the white wall castle. There were there were weirwood rafters in the in the roof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah I- <laughs> that's what I said.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't hear you say that.
1: Oh, oh. <laughs> you were I laughing. was thinking that when I, when I heard that I was.
0: I, I, One of my good friends A sax player Is dinner The third mm, You mm, know So
1: Trip Do you call him Trip
0: No I never call him Trip I never call him Trip I call him jerk Book characters Right now At the moment So I can't say anything About that But I can think of uh, A certain book character That is the same way Got a train Coming through See uh,
4: Yeah I sure do All <laughs> <laughs> right
0: on.
5: Oh
4: wow All right <laughs>
0: Spoiler alert, this podcast will cover events in the most recent aired episode of Game of Thrones on HBO. If you have not seen that episode yet, you may wish to avoid this podcast until you have. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy. Dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R.R. Martin's
3: Song of Ice and Fire book series, you're listening to Podcast
0: Winterfell.
3: Your host Matt Murdock.
0: Welcome, everybody, to podcast Winterfell. It is episode three hundred of the podcast. It is the number I've been shooting for uh, ever since I started this podcast. Actually, to be perfectly honest, I said if I can get to two hundred, that'd be great. But if I can get to three hundred, that means that I'm either annoying enough that people have to listen to me, or some people actually like me. And so I feel like uh whichever of those two columns that you fall in, I really appreciate you being here and uh, sharing this 300th episode with me. We are currently recording live in a chat room at TalkShoe. We have lots of great people in the chat room already. We've got a couple callers lined up already. I've got a couple of guest hosts, sort of, so to speak, uh, at least temporarily with me online already. But we want to thank, of course, Mike's Amazing, Shadowcat Bex, Iontrone, Peter from Australia, Taryn the Black, all for... Participating with us in the chat room, there's going to be lots of fun in there. I thought what I would do for my 300th episode, rather than just make a, a you know, some kind of special all-encompassing Game of Thrones episode, I just let you all decide what we're going to talk about by doing what really kind of made this podcast. Uh, different from a lot of other podcasts, just do a fan call-in show. That's what I kind of got to be known for because I would just let people call in with their own thoughts about an individual episode each week. In fact, the whole f- first season that we covered, which was actually season two of Game of Thrones, that was pretty much all that we did. Maybe a little supplementary episode further on down in the week, but we would record every... Monday after a new episode of Game of Thrones aired and we would have a great deal of fun talking with some hardcore TV fans. At the time I was just getting into the books. I'd only read book one when I started this podcast. I've since read all of the books and we're going to cover not only TV stuff which we will do in the first half of this podcast but we're also going to cover some of the more obscure A Song of Ice and Fire stuff probably as well. When we talk on the book side, you'll get a fair warning if you don't like anything about the books uh, before we go there. And if you're just a book person and you don't want to know about the TV show, you might want to skip a little bit ahead until you hear the end music bumper. And then we'll have the Song of Ice and Fire at the other end. By the way. The website where you can hear this great stuff and all 300 episodes of the past, and maybe even a few more, but this is the 300th numbered episode, is podcastwinterfell.com. That's where I also have all of my contact and social media links. I love hearing from other listeners. I love hearing from just anybody in the world who has a thought about A Song of Ice and Fire or just wants to call me an idiot or just wants to say, hey, thanks for the work or whatever. I love talking to the fandom. We're all in this thing uh, way up to above our nose, above our head uh, in this stuff. And it's great to share the experience with so many wonderful fans who routinely listen to this podcast and chime in. I've said enough about what we do. I hope we have 300 more episodes. Uh, hopefully there'll be enough to do that, enough material in the long run to do that. If George stays alive long enough, if the TV series moves on to maybe some kind of little splinter spinoff series, maybe we can continue with stuff like that. But there's a couple of people with me right now who have been instrumental in helping for the success of this podcast. The most recent edition of, of these two people, uh, to the podcast, uh, came in probably oh, a year to a year and a half ago, maybe a little more. And she has just brightened up this podcast with her chippy personality. And Oh my gosh, she's bombed this podcast with such a super amount of knowledge that I'm in awe to talk to her all of the time. We welcome back Kelly. Kelly, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with me today.
1: I didn't want to miss it. Yay. Congratulations. And thank you for having me and for letting me and everyone who I've enjoyed talking to get to talk to each other through you. Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. And of course, right when I started in season two uh, of the Game of Thrones podcasting business, there was this gentleman who would call in every once in a while who uh, was kind of funny. And I didn't really know if he was trying to steal my show because he was so good at this whole analyzation and making jokes thing, or if he was just a super fan. Well, it turns out that he was both. He He's a guy that has actually produced a tremendous podcast called The Joffrey of Podcasts, and he has been instrumental in almost everything that we've done, from fan call-in shows, to specials, to book reading events... Uh, this is the guy that I've always reached out to, not only because his knowledge is so strong, but because he's such a lovable guy. We welcome back to the podcast, Bubba. Bubba, thanks so much for taking time to call in.
2: Matt, I had to be here for podcast 300. I mean, when I when we go back to season two, that's so many years ago. That's hundreds of podcasts ago that you and I, you've been gracious enough to let me be on. I mean, I think to myself back then, and back then I probably had about 860 Twitter followers at Fit and Trim, that's F-I-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-M, at Fit and Trim on Twitter. But now, after all of these, I'm at 863. So really, (laughs) you have helped me grow as a podcaster, as a social media presence, and really, we've all been here, all your wonderful listeners, people all around the world who love Podcast Winterfell. We do it because you put out a great podcast and you tackle a great subject with fun and also in-depth I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having
1: me, Matt.
0: Uh, It's a pleasure to have you both. And uh, before we start taking callers, I just kind of wanted to kind of get a general thought from both of you about where we are in the television story right now. Kelly, I'm going to go to you first. I'd really love to know um, what your overall impression of season six was and uh, has that made you even more excited for season seven coming up, even though it's going to be a little bit longer of a wait than we've had I in know. the past. Um, but are you, are you, are you uh, already counting down the seconds to season seven or, or how did season six hit you uh, in regards to how you're going to look at season seven?
1: Yeah, it, got very different from the books, which was in some ways kind of scary, but the way they executed it was so exciting. I didn't really care. And I think that's the perfect combination that they need to hit to make everybody happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> If they stray from the books, I think the reasonable book lovers will say, I understand, and this is awesome TV. And if they kind of take their own versions of it and make it Kind of makes sense. Like, I think the Sansa being Jane does make sense. And it hurts a little to say that, but it does, you know, um, consolidating characters the way they have. And some would say the Doran stuff wasn't great, but we're past that. Six season six had none of that. (laughs) So, yeah, I think uh, six was very exciting. Got me very excited for how they're going to do seven and uh, wrap it up, you know, like how they see it all. Culminating is going to be kind of neat And then I kind of like that the books Will still kind of be the the dessert For us (laughs) Uh,
0: There's one thing For certain for me and that is that um, No matter what's different Or what's the same um, George's writing Is for me what makes um, Well at least the first I will say the first four books um, Is what makes it Exciting for me to get into the book Stuff but Season six, as compared to seasons in the past, it almost felt like Dave and Dan were stalling, just saying, you get the sick book out so that we can do something. You know, it felt there were, there were many more, like splitting book three up into seasons three and four. Um, there's a lot of material in book three. Don't get me wrong. So it was good that they did that, but it, uh, things moves in season six and maybe even in the, parts of season five so much faster than they had in the prior four seasons um you don't i I don't feel like i'm getting wasted uh airtime with the scenes and the episodes have even been shorter which of course is a complaint just for the fact that you want to see more (laughs) game of thrones as much as you can. spoiled yeah yeah but uh nonetheless uh what they're doing with the minutes that they've allotted i felt have been very impactful from scene to scene um but i bubba uh is that too much is it too intense as compared to what it was how are your feelings about season six in general
2: well when i looked back at the end of season six i of the 10 episodes i'd really only enjoyed five of them so only half of the 10 episodes had i really enjoyed but i thought those five episodes were super strong i'm talking about hold the door everybody i'm talking especially about those final two it ended on such a strong note I found those final two so strong that it made my overall appreciation of season six really shoot up. And it also got me so excited for what's coming in season seven. Now there's a part of me that wonders if those final two episodes of season six weren't too kind of quickly wrapping things up. Let's wrap up Marine. Let's wrap up the battle of Winterfell. And with these limited seasons we've got coming up with shorter, you know, we've only got, if I'm correct, 13 episodes left. It seems like I hope I don't feel like we're rushing th- and we're giving the end part of the journey the same much we gave to the build, but because once again those final two episodes just rocked my world so much, I'm ready for winter. It's here. Let's roll.
0: Right on, very good, Bubba. Do you have? Uh, I mean, I mean, you mentioned the hold the door. Was that your favorite episode of season six?
2: Maybe not my favorite episode. Uh, that might have been episode ten, but as far as individual moment, the, the, the part where I was really just sitting up in my seat, I was so kind of blown away and shocked that ending of, of hold the door is a moment. It felt like a book moment. It was so strong and so powerful and, uh, it was great. And I hope the show there's 13 more episodes left. I hope they give us 13 more moments like that. So I can feel the rush of discovery and the, and the rush of, of things kind of you know, it was a tragedy, obviously hold the door, but things progressing kind of also logically. And it, it built to that moment
0: and in that painful death was earned. So, uh, love it. Excellent. All right. Um, how about you, Kelly? You have a favorite particular episode from season six?
1: Uh, like Boba said, like there's a lot of moments that I loved, but the, I think battle of the bastards where Danny and Drogo have their moment over uh marine was so like rewarding and it was very pleasing to see that because we don't have that in the books yet so it's like okay this is this will be great you know this will be very powerful and hopeful and like kind of like that stuff that nothing things that you don't know is going to be like book moments yeah exactly like papa said they're they get you feeling things and the excitement and Oh, we've put so much hope into some stuff like that. So it's it was very really, um, – and like Tyrion was there and Grey Worm. And the, just everyone had like really strong moments at that um, scene with the, uh, the the masters, you know, that part.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was glorious. I think that was my most hype moment <laughs> of the season. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was pretty epic. I, I think the one that got me um, – and probably more so. And uh, you, I, it sounds morbid to call it my favorite moment, but um, to me, uh, Javadi really achieved an amazing feat with uh, the end of "Hold the Door." Uh, I I know it's very emotional, you know, to see that whole thing. I thought that that kid that played young Hodor just did a fantastic job. I was um. I was just on, I was on the floor crying. Um, But part of that was due to Javadi's score. And I know a lot of people like to point to the whole light of the seven thing. Uh, I've made my thoughts about that pretty clear (laughs) on this podcast. Um, But uh, for me, music does play a a very uh, big role in how I receive the show. And I don't think that there's been anything more beautifully done than the way Javadi um, did not only the ending Hodor moment, but that the... Credits afterwards. There was a great uh, thing at the end of season three, again, very morbid, but after the uh, Red Wedding episode, where, you know, just the silence um, spoke volumes. Um, and this, in the same way, um, made Hodor's uh, death um, equally as painful, um, yet uh, bittersweet in a way, because we received uh, so much information. In a, in a download of if that was possible with Hodor. I, I love the way that got my mind perking. Um, but with that, why don't we talk about uh, if there's any specific kind of topic that either of you want to bring up. Bubba, I'll go back to you. Is there any burning question in your mind about from coming out of Season 6 that you just feel like has to be answered or that you have a theory for or that you feel like uh, the the storytelling has to live up to a certain type of level in order to pay off?
2: Oh boy. That wasn't the first thing that came to my mind, Matt. Uh, Sorry. When you started asking the question, the first thing that came to my mind is that I was one of those people who was upset that Bran, Hodor, Mira, three eyed Raven. And obviously uh, the children of the forest were given season five off. Oh, and RIP summer as well. And so it's season six and their ability to take us through time I enjoyed that so much. Uh, those were also some of my favorite moments of season six. And so I guess for season seven, my own thought is, man, brand has got to keep touching those weirwoods. He's got to keep touching the roots. He's got to touch the face because I want to see more stuff from the past. I think after six seasons, I think viewers, readers, everybody still has a connection to those who we've lost, like good old Headless Ned. And so uh, I'm just thinking to myself, what else could Bran see? You know, Bran, yeah, okay, the army of the undead's coming, but could you possibly show me, you know, Rhaegar's dying moment? That'd be fun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rhaegar. You, so you want to see You want to see Robert's Rebellion uh, get won there by Robert and... Uh, sure. The oh, turn,
2: well. tourney at Heron Hall that we heard uh, described in the Winterfell Crips in season five. I, You know, come on, let's do it.
0: All right, on. Very good. Kelly, how about you? Is there any uh burning thing out of season 6 that you just have to get uh you have to see or is there uh specific things that you uh really uh, feel like need more paying off in season 7?
1: Well, I don't know if it's because you used the term burning but to my mind the first thing leapt to it was uh, Melisandra and I was kind of curious as to what what she, her what her role in this whole thing she's been so prominent and we learned a little bit more about her this season so how will that come into play like it seems like that we were told that for a reason we were shown her her age and and her the her glamour ability for a reason and I kind of want to see what else that's been used for for some like it kind of seems like otherwise it's just kind of a neat trick and has no payoff or um impact like other than just she's been tricking people and i guess that's i could be that could be all it was but i would like to see more of what her powers are and why she's been so important to this story because there have been that you have to believe that there have been other people with you know we've seen other red priestesses why is she the one that is um in Westeros, do, you know, uh, manipulating all of these people, like, between Stannis and Jon, and now maybe we're assuming Arya, but we'll see. I kind of want to see what um, her role in this whole um, epic story that, for some reason, like, we get to be a part of and see, like, in Westeros, this is a big deal. Like, I'm, ge- I'm hoping that this is, like, another... Um, the last hero or something. And that's why we're reading about it or watching it. So I wanted to see what role she has to play in that. Seems like it should be important. And then my other, <laughs> since that wasn't, I feel like that can be like one scene. We'll find out what her role was. And so kind of for a longer storyline, I, I really want to see Sansa um, finish her arc in a really um, positive way.
0: <laughs> and die a horrible death. No,
1: <laughs> murder Littlefinger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh you want her to murder Littlefinger?
1: little finger i want her i wanted to do this yeah for her dad for cat like just for everyone that he's screwed over you know for her aunt oh poor lisa
0: <laughs> so what did you read out of that last scene that exchanged look between her and little finger as john was being declared king in the north what, what did that say to you I've,
1: I've thought about that and i think it's it's an indication that he has planted a seed of doubt in her um, that she will have to overcome. Like that might be the final thing Like he might, I'm really hoping it's something where he, he pushes her too far when he expects her to um, betray her brother, her half brother. You know, I I want that to be the thing that, you know, he thinks he's built this relationship up with her to the point that he can successfully do this. And uh, I'm hoping that he has misjudged her and her her stark heritage is too strong for him to overcome and that's kind of the the realization that she needs the snap back to her family you know
0: yeah yeah i i i think it's a good fantasy to have of of (laughs) sansa at least uh out long conning the long conner right? Yes. You know, even if it doesn't mean that she kills him directly, uh, if it leads to his downfall, I think that that would be fun. I think that that would be a great deal of fun. (laughs) Well, uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to some callers. We've got a couple of callers who have called in. Thank you very much. And we're going to start, uh, with our TV only talking with Mike, Mike, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And, um, (laughs) What is, how, what is, let me just start with this particular question. What has been your involvement with Game of Thrones? Did you get into it from the very beginning? Were you a, a fan who came onto it later?
3: Uh,
5: Yeah, man. I mean, I got into it like the end of season five, and I just binged every inch of show I can get in that one time.
0: Wow. Wow. So what was it, what episode did you get into uh, at the end of season five?
5: Oh no, I didn't watch, my friend told me about Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, I'm into D&D and World of Warcraft, so that kind of like works for me, and I've been putting it off because everyone's like, you know, it's not your normal show and all that, so I was like afraid to watch it, finally watched the first season and, and fell in love and just day after day, episode after episode, just watched all of it.
0: Wow, excellent, so you saw it in a short span of time. Uh, which is interesting as compared to uh, once you got into season six, was it hard to, to get back into the pacing of seeing it week to week as opposed to being able to binge all of the episodes one after another?
5: Matt, I'll tell you, it killed me every week just going to HBO Go, watching the episode, rewatching it, crying at night waiting for the next episode. I don't know how you used to do it for years.
0: <laughs> yeah we've, we've spent a lot of suffering uh, you know um Seriously. and this is your first hiatus so good luck with that because this oh, is yeah. an extraordinarily long one um but what kind of thoughts have you come away from watching the show is there anything you want to talk to kelly or or bubba about or myself uh, in regards to the television show a burning question or uh just an th- overall observation anything
5: well overall just I want to thank all three of you for you know giving me such good perspectives on the show and everything providing me with hours and hours and hours of time while I'm working so I love that but I don't know like I like Bubba's perspective more than anything cuz that's how I feel like I feel like season 6 could have been uh, I don't know like five episodes <laughs> as 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 harsh as it sounds
0: <laughs> Well right up Bubba uh, you got a fan here.
2: Well, I've I've made your wish come true. Next season's only seven. Let's don't worry. You can mail your checks to at Fit and Trim F I T T E N D R I M on Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and 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 be sure to deliver him. You know more followers than I have, which has evidently been three over the course of his <laughs> Twitter career. What uh, about season six? Really hit you the most since you were having to endure it week to week.
5: Honestly, what I was thinking the whole time, I was just honestly just John being a Targaryen. I didn't want it to be true. I feel like I'm the only person that wants him just to be a Stark and have him come up with something different. I don't know, just that whole thing that's going to happen in the future with him and Sansa. That that tension, that you know, the ownership of Winterfell, the King of the North. I mean, I prefer him to just be at the Wall, honestly. I don't even want to think about when Daenerys comes over because I don't know what the hell is going to happen
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that can create quite a, a problem.
1: I was just wondering, Like, does it make you feel any better, Mike, to know that he's uh, he is still part Stark? Like Lyanna was a Stark, right? <laughs> or do oh, no, you think yeah, like the Targaryen I mean, blood? Go ahead.
5: No, no, no. I love all that. You know, the whole him being ice and fire, It's it's very poetic. I love it. But he's so Ned, I see absolutely no Targaryen in him. And I think, I don't know, it's just I I hear everyone talk about things and I prefer him to be just Stark. That's it.
1: How much does that say for like the Starks, though, that this guy who's this prophetic person was raised by Ned and has so much Ned in him? Like I feel like that says so much more about Ned. Like it took... The, the lineage of Rhaegar and Liana to produce him, but it took the upbringing of Ned to create him to the man he is. I think that you can still really, really appreciate Ned and, and his influence um, through his legacy. And I think you'll see a lot of that in the Starks as they kind of come into their own more. So uh-huh. go ahead. I
2: oh, have yeah. a question for Mike, Mike, I got a question for you. If John, mm-hmm. if John had seen Ollie and, and, uh, <laughs> Alistair Thorne, if he had seen uh, them and if John had suddenly said, Burn them all! Would that have been, you know, too much? Or what, you know, how, how, you know, he treated Ollie very Targaryen like. Ollie's last words were. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with you on that. It's just like. The Starks, how they're so you know, honor-bound, and he does that to the T, and Ned did do an amazing job raising this kid. And you could see all the Stark lineage inside of him, but it's just like, you saw it coming, it's like a, you see a train wreck, right? And you just want it to not happen. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm coming from.
0: Well, you said that you know, it seems clear here that John is your favorite character, or one of your favorite characters. Who's one of the characters that you hate most? I mean, has it come down to like a, a difference between maybe a Littlefinger and Cersei, or is there someone else that's already uh, met their demise that you just hated as you watched through the series?
5: Well, I think first most is going to have to be Sansa. I'm one of them fans. I gotcha. I mean, she has she has impressed me throughout season six and you know parts of season five, but. I don't know, something about her storyline, I feel she's always portrayed as like this, you know, uh, just easily misled and manipulated constantly. But I do see her, you know, starting to come to grips with things and take charge and just certain decisions she makes, you see like she slips, she takes two steps forward and like, you know, three steps back, you know? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. That, uh, that very much is the, uh, kind of anti-fairy tale trope that I tried to represent in our, uh, in our Sansa cast. And the fact that, um, to me, Sansa is a representation that war affects everybody, not just the small folk, but it can affect, um, someone of noble birth just as much as it affects the small folk. And I will agree with you that for a great deal of Sansa's arc, things have happened to her not with her not around her not by her but to mm-hmm. her um and that that's a concept that is is sometimes hard to take as a storytelling thing but i don't know kelly you might agree with me you might not but for me that is a uh a huge reason why george's books and why the television show works for me is because um there are just characters. There are people that you just don't you know, necessarily gravitate towards in life, and yet they seem to be in the forefront, right? No,
5: yeah, you're absolutely right.
1: Yes, no, I think I think making them main characters like that is is antagonizing the reader and the watcher, and you know, forces you to empathize with people you wouldn't otherwise uh, care about. You know, you would look at them and, and write them off as a silly girl, but you're forced to see her perspective for so. Many. For so many episodes, so it kind of does make it um, kind of stretch the uh, I don't know consciousness or or empathy, I guess, of the of the viewer and and make you participate a little bit more in something outside your comfort zone. Uh, or you know, for some people who prefer just to have someone to hate too, like <laughs> really is just watching this person struggle and whether or not they make the right decisions or not, you can kind of live vicariously through what they're. <laughs> What their faults are, I guess you can say. Matt, I think
2: it goes back to the first season and that episode. What was it? Just the third episode. I hope I'm getting this right. Cripples, bastards and broken things. And that's who George likes. That's who, you know, Tyrion said it and Tyrion is the mouthpiece for the creator. And so I think looking at season six and season seven, I would say if your character isn't a cripple, a bastard or a broken thing you're in deep trouble because you're not going to make it to the end and so right now sansa is a broken thing so i think she's got a good chance to be around for season eight good work girl you go girl <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have to have horrible things happen to you well and I, john he's been killed now so what are his chances of survival
2: wait what if he's all three he's a <laughs> and triple a broken threat thing. <laughs> triple threat john
0: <laughs> oh. That means he's bound to make it, right? Uh, One but, of them. But
1: he's also everyone's favorite, so don't don't get your hopes up. Uh, <laughs> George yeah, loves tragedy. <laughs>
0: yeah, so do Dave and Dan. Oh yes. Um all right, great. Mike, what else have you got for us? Anything you wanted to bring up uh to the panel here to to discuss?
5: Uh not a whole lot. I'm, I just, you know, want to know what everyone thinks about uh Euron. Because honestly like the way that whole scene played out and you really haven't seen much of him since. Like it leaves me wondering what he, or what his next step is going to be, you know, cause he's, he's going to meet them, you know, as they're crossing paths or, you know what I mean? Is he going to just show up in Marine and no one's there.
2: <laughs> That's a funny. That aspect. would be awesome. That'd be great. Dario 2.0 would come out and be like, uh, you missed him, bud. Oh, but, but I what think if he can marry me
1: or what if they go end up going through Valantis and we have to <laughs> he basically or maybe they they trick him to go into Valantis somehow in these meets cuz we only got like that one scene with the with the um the stone men Is
5: that oh, what they were
1: called right yeah so like maybe <laughs> maybe the it's going to the doom yeah we could probably see a cool scene where um you know they have they're renowned for their fleet and how even these fighters can't withstand such a, a fate. It'd be pretty cool.
5: they did that again? You think? Just because that was actually think about that was not a bad place to visit in the show. I mean, do you see that happening again in the seventh season?
1: They were right? I mean, they built the set. They kind of like set. They kind of like hit, I don't know teased us with it. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if they, that was the only time we ever see it, it was when Jorah is there, that would be a little disappointing. But I guess that could that could have been it. That's just what first came to my mind when I was thinking of <laughs> Euron going to 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 Um, Essos. Once again, they've they've only got
2: seven episodes, so it's going to be like nine hundred and ninety nine, one thousand. I've got one thousand ships. Oh crap! Here comes that dragon. Yeah, <laughs> got one ship. All right, here we go. Cut down more tree, guys. Let's do
1: this. <laughs> they just have to do like picture in picture. <laughs> yeah, all the, the whole tree that's on Pike. <laughs> I,
0: I know we have a lot of Bubba. I don't know if you and Catfish have speculated on this or not on the Joffrey of podcast, but I know that we have a lot of friends on the Small Council podcast who have uh, postulated that there's a possibility that well, if Theon and and Yara have Danny maybe Euron would go to Cersei and try and uh, swing her to his way in order to gain power.
2: It feels like that is possibly one option. It also may feel like because now we know the end goal in sight and because Euron uh, was really only in two episodes and really, I think, if I'm correct, only in kind of like two scenes. There was a scene on the bridge where he killed his older, older brother Balon and then there was the King's Moot slash... He drowns and gets the crown. You know, there isn't much time for him to establish himself, so he's got to go big or go home. And so uh, maybe Cersei's the answer. I think that's a good call, Matt. Possibly. We'll see.
1: Yeah, that would be an interesting um, turn of events. I don't want to mix too much book knowledge. I think there's something like the – I guess the throne could use their their fleet. So I just can't – Spend too much time thinking about any of this without thinking about well, what does it matter? <laughs> you know, the the night's king is coming, so I wonder how much of this will actually come into. Pl- I mean, I guess they could do it first episode, establish that mm-hmm. Euron yeah. and Cersei have have a- allied, and um, somehow that plays into the the long night that's coming. Maybe
5: what would yeah. that take Cersei to to believe that? Like, just have Euron show up, like, hey, they got dragons coming.
1: Like- I think it. I think at this point she just needs any ally and she's so downtrodden that she'll take something that makes her feel powerful.
2: Yeah. She needs, more, she needs more allies so she can kill them. You know? <laughs> and the that's what she's best at. <laughs> the
1: yeah. The, the Tyrells and the and Dorne has, <laughs> the city of Dorne has um, allied with uh, the, the um, Targaryen, um, you know, in Essos. So I'm wondering if she doesn't have any other houses that have fleets. So she might have to, and if he just falls into her lap,
0: <laughs> well, and and on top of that, I mean, Cersei's Cersei's reign itself would probably be in question, right? Because uh, I, I mean, right now, I guess, and Bubba, I know that you and I pondered this m- many times in in past podcasts. You know, there's there's no legitimate heirs to the throne anymore, other than Danny or John from the old family. But the new family, um, there really are no legitimate heirs, so she's just kind of seized power. Uh, I would think that she would need to secure that with as many possible allies a- as she could get. Um, but what do you think Euron is going to do, Mike?
5: Honestly, I do agree with Kelly. Uh, like, I do see him going to Cersei. It's just, in my mind, Cersei really has no worries right now. I mean, the High Spouse has gone to her best of her knowledge. I mean, Tyrell's really... I know she's aware of like, you know, how vast their army is, but like who's running it. I don't really know what her concern is just based on the ending of season six. Like she just took over. Seems like, you know, she's just running things very powerful and doesn't have a care in the world right now.
0: Okay. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you go for now. Uh, did you want to talk anything about the books at all? Have you read any of the books?
5: Oh, yeah. I read all the books, the novels, and all that.
0: Oh, excellent. All right. Well, if you want to stick around for the uh the book portion of the podcast, I'll put you on back on hold. Thanks so much for calling in.
5: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it.
0: And with that, we're going to welcome in another caller. We're going to welcome in Becky. Becky, how are you?
4: I'm good. How are you, Matt?
0: I'm doing very good and thanks so much for calling in and celebrating 300 episodes with us. I'll ask Woo! you the same question I started off. <laughs> hey, we started off with uh uh mike just by saying the same question that i started off with bubba and kelly um is there anything that just really stood out to you about season six um how well did you receive it how well, much are you looking forward to season seven
4: well i mean overall season six i think season six by far my favorite season uh of the entire series uh i just thought they've they really redeemed themselves from all the mistakes that they made in season four and season five. And just everything was so, it was just so well executed. So, I mean, I can't say any more than everybody else has already said about it. So, um, but I, I think my favorite moment of the whole season was uh, the John and Sansa reunion.
0: Mm, that was a good one. That first yeah. scene in um uh, in that episode, uh, was that episode four? I believe of season yeah. six. I
4: yeah, book of a stranger. Um, yeah, no, that it was finally. Like, it was nice to see a Stark happy, even if it was for a fleeting moment. <laughs>
0: uh and And I love the irony of that, because um obviously, you know by their conversation right after that, they didn't really get along too much as kids, um, which you would expect because Sansa is probably most like her mother, and of course her mother uh absolutely hated John uh for the most part, so uh that 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 made the the irony of that fact that, as far as the two of them are concerned they're they're really the only two left. Um, well, then they found out about Rickon, of course, and then lost Rickon, but, uh, I, I love that can moment they, too.
4: And they know about Bran and Arya, because Bran told, told Sansa about Arya and, uh, Sam had, uh, run into Bran, what was it, like season three?
0: Yeah, and and John's just pretty much ignored that ever since. I don't get that at Yeah,
4: all. yeah, no, that, that <laughs> is uh, one of the things about the show. Maybe we won't pick them apart at the moment, but yeah, no, that's, you know, oh, your brother just went beyond the wall. See you, bye. Mm,
0: I guess he figures that he's probably dead. He's probably given up on him, but um, yeah. But, yeah, in the moment, that was a very nice uh, moment for Sansa and Jon. Um, Bubba came up with an, a good, great question for Mike earlier. What do you think about uh, Becky's assessment, and do you have a question for her?
2: Well, yeah, Becky, I, because this is the 300th episode, I want to know, when did you start listening to Podcast Winterfell? Was it after a, a real emotional episode, like... Hold the Door. Was it after the Starks reunion? When was it? And let's see if that was a very special show for here at Podcast Winterfell.
4: Well, I think I started listening to Podcast Winterfell oh, I think it was after season four. It was in between season four and season five. And I had just read all the books and I was just basically jonesing for more song of ice and fire material and i found podcast winterfell and i think it was right around the time you started doing all the um theory and identity episodes
0: Mm, okay
4: yeah so that was my introduction to podcast winterfell
2: becky i was just going to say that you just proved something that everybody thinks and that is when you need a push matt and podcast winterfell are your pusher He's been putting out all these podcasts, and uh, it's the drug to keep us in these doldrums where we have to wait yeah. these long years for new episodes.
0: I'll tell you what, Bubba has uh, suffered uh, more. <laughs> Bubba has been wanting to be in a doldrum during the off season, I'm pretty sure, and I've dragged him back into the fold with all of the book reads and all of that between seasons four and five. Uh, Bubba, is that when we did the? Uh, that's when we did the Feast Dance Tandem read with Mike, right? Yeah, and that. And Susan. Yeah, and that
2: only lasted uh, as long as it took for Martin to write both books. So it was great. Everybody, go into <laughs> go into the podcast Winterfell archives and listen to that. That was really fun. You know, this show has inspired us. This show, you know, it makes you think. It makes you look forward. So, what I would want to know uh, from Becky and really from everybody is, this is something we talk about all the time. This is something we've been talking about since the first season, first book. Who deserves to be sitting on the iron throne at the end we've we've gone through now sixty television episodes. who deserves to be sitting on the throne at the end?
4: Well, we all clearly know that we've lost our one true king and Joffrey you know, no right. one no one else deserves praise be the throne. praise be.
2: all right, you don't have to so, mute her mic that's good okay uh <laughs>
4: No, um I I think when all is said and done the iron throne will be destroyed and no one will be sitting on the iron throne.
2: Will that be satisfying?
4: Possibly. It depends on I guess it depends on who's left. But yeah, I think I think uh overall and I think in both the books and the show I we will move beyond this Medieval feudal system that's going on in Westeros and develop something more modern.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. If you had to choose someone to last sit the throne good, before this yeah. happens, hmm. who would you choose?
4: Uh, I would say. I think it might be John. Hmm. Very I good. think it might be John. I uh, I don't know if I see Daenerys. Lasting the uh, the entire series, although D and D have made her the most infallible character, like nothing goes wrong for her. But uh, I I don't think she's going to make it through the whole oh,
0: series. Geez. She Ke- Kelly will be the first to tell you that Danny is completely fallible. Dro- Drogon didn't even like her for a while. She fails at relationships. She fails at everything.
4: Uh, well, we. <laughs> My my opinions with Danny are very different from book to show, so maybe we'll get that conversation <laughs> for now.
0: Well uh, that was more a jab well at Kelly played. than it was a conversation <laughs> for you.
4: Thank you. Although <laughs> we we have talked about you know the fact that she left Dario behind and she will need to form uh, more traditional alliances in Westeros. And my thought is, why doesn't she marry Sion? Beyond, Ooh. you know, neither one of them are will be able to have any kids, so it doesn't really ma- matter who she marries because she's not going to have any heirs.
0: Ooh.
1: Like, just to block a spot? Like, so she can't say, like, to any one house, like, sorry, I can't marry you, I'm wed. However, like, I can give well, you a place um, of high that, honor.
4: <laughs> well, that, that just, you know, making that Strong alliance and uh, or making that alliance stronger, and she's going to need to start building uh, trust—or not trust—but she's going to have to start, uh, you know, getting into gear with like Westeros tradition.
1: So, and and who else is there for her to marry?
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: I would. Uh, my only thought on that is how she like kind of just flaunts. Uh, tradition wherever she goes. Like, she just doesn't care. She's like, well, oh, you've got slaves true. here? <laughs> you've got slaves here? Not anymore. <laughs> like, oh, women normally don't lead here? Well, too bad. <laughs> but but her reasoning for leaving Dario was that she was never going to be able to marry him
4: and that she was going to have that's to make true. those alliances. That is true. I mean, right. yeah, I agree with you mm-hmm. that she does definitely belong tradition, but they they kind of hinted towards her possibly forming a union
1: with somebody. That's true. It could have been a a. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, or, you know.
0: well, my my big concern about if she were to marry Theon is that to to me, in terms of uh, especially everything that happened with Theon and, and Winterfell, I don't know that Theon has enough cred to really do her much good in terms of sewing into other alliances um it could he can be a placeholder in terms of well i'm not going to marry anybody and and still try to get other houses in line to just be for her um but uh, in terms of sealing any kind of real alliances that she needs like she told dario um i wouldn't think theon would be the guy with enough cred to do that for her uh yeah
4: that that is a very good point i just don't i just don't know anybody else you know for her to wed and I don't think they'll go down the route where she'll wed John.
0: Right, I do. I you know. hope not. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, that's I think a little... even
4: even if they're unaware of their uh, family ties, that still would with... walks on the line is too creepy for. <laughs> I think those viewers. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I wonder if Danny will ever get to sit the throne at all anyway, because um, it seems to me that she's the one thing that Jon needs up north to fight the White Walkers. Um, right. So, we, like you say, I, I'm kind of worried that uh, she's never going to make it uh, back from the Wall if she goes up there.
4: Yeah, I think uh, I think she'll go up there with the dragons, and I think her and the dragons will not make it.
0: Shh, shh, shh. Don't upset Kelly. I'm
4: you
2: know fine. what? Sorry to jump in here, Matt, but if Daenerys really wants kids, I know somebody who's who's got a bunch. That's the Night King. You know, a king marrying a queen, it'd be great. <laughs> that,
0: that and there, there is, is your song ice of Ice and Fire, baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What else you got for us, Becky? Um, you
4: know, not too much. I mean, my... Overall, I think my favorite storylines were at the wall and with the Starks in general. They're they're my favorite. I mean, they're a real crowd pleaser, but I I know you guys were talking about Sansa earlier and she I think her character has really developed so well in the last two seasons. And I know you and I had agreed with you at the time when you bowed out of watching the show for a while because you know, the, 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 um, the rate, that is that the, that D and D were doing for, you know, just to have it out there was really upsetting for, for us to watch. And it was really upsetting for Sansa just to keep being a victim over and over. But now she's developing agency and she's really going to, becoming into her own and i i was a little disappointed that we went the route of king in the north and not queen in the north
0: Mm, yeah um and i i wonder if Sansa is just as disappointed (laughs) as you are
4: Uh,
0: yeah uh, based on that last look but nonetheless uh you know Sansa has definitely turned a corner um and, and as if you guys haven't heard my talk uh on this the small council podcast with uh, uh, Axel uh, regarding the whole Sansa thing and why I left. Um, I do feel like that the the thing that, that brought me back, well, first of all, Holly brought me back uh, just because there was so much going on with the show and she piqued my interest and I had to come back and see it. Um, but once I went through the rest of the episodes of season five and even the beginning of season six and saw... That they weren't just going to make, oh, this is the event that makes Sansa stronger. It wasn't. She's still a victim. She's still a survivor. Um, and that was very important to me. And the fact that they, they treated that with the kind of uh, of sensitivity that it needed to be treated with, um, that won me back over as far as Dave and Dan are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, Baba, Kelly, any thoughts about this? Anything? Last questions for uh, Becky before we go back uh, to—I got a little bit of feedback for the TV section, and then we'll move on to the book section. Well, well,
2: Becky, I think you kind of broke a certain guy's heart by not mentioning him as a possible marriage for Daenerys, and it's Sir Friendstone, Jorah Mormont of Bear Island. (laughs) 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 He's, you know, there's no ring on that finger yet. Or if he it is, right. it's it's turned to stone. I am kind of lost. But yeah. he's single.
4: Yeah, his ring finger might not be uh, usable <laughs> anymore. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, that is a possibility.
6: Oh if, please! If he
4: if he uh, <laughs> discovers the magic cure for sure.
0: I got some things to say about that in the book section, but I can't uh, I can't talk about it here. But I right. got all kinds of possibilities. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, at any rate, uh, Becky, thank you so much for joining us And uh, yeah. we'll have you stick around for the book section If you don't mind to put, me to put you on hold for a second Great Great, thank you Oh man, this has been fun the Small but mighty crowd of callers And I, I've really enjoyed the callers that we've had on the television part But I do have a little bit of feedback regarding the television show as well There was a raven from King's Landing feedback kelly and bubba we have an email from megan who says hello podcast winterfell i'm sad that i am unable to call in for episode 300 but i wanted to say congratulations and a great big thank you for all the hours of great entertainment and speculation i do have a question which could be a tv or book question i wanted to know how you folks feel about the possibility of of the Seven Kingdoms actually splitting back up into the former Seven Kingdoms instead of one large kingdom. I personally think it's a real possibility, but I'm less certain about it than I was. I used to think that Danny would be too gentle-hearted to force all of the kingdoms into submission through conquest. It's one thing to conquer slavers and another thing to terrorize innocent small folks, but I have possibly reconsidered that stance after reading some of the opinions on Danny's darker side. Anyways, I wondered what everyone else thought about the possibility. Also, maybe who might end up ruling each of these kingdoms, particularly Sansa, who has connections to about half of the kingdoms through birthright and marriages. Thanks again for all you folks do. Well, uh, let's turn to you, Kelly, first and uh, tackle the first part of that. Um, I think that uh, Becky had brought up that there would be no Iron Throne but that doesn't necessarily mean there wouldn't be seven individual kingdoms. What do you think of that thought?
1: That makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I do kind of actually hope that, I don't know if I chimed in when we were talking about it, but that, that is my hope is that at the end, nobody sits on the throne. And just that that some stranger in the South doesn't have to rule and make rules for the Northmen. And, and just the the idea of unity sounds great, but I think it works just as well when neighbors get along because they have to. So just the idea that the, (laughs) the factions break back up into their own separate cultures and still, I mean, they still um, interact, but you don't have to have like one person in charge of it all. Like it just seems so egotistical. (laughs) It doesn't seem to benefit um, people besides, I guess maybe peace. There is that, but I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, the Iron Throne no longer existing and the factions going back to as they were um, has a lot of appeal <laughs> at, the, at the moment. Um, I might just be in GNC mode right now where I'm just oh, the North. Come on, guys, you got this <laughs> a little bit. But um, yeah, and it, it just seems like the the, the rulers, um, I, I can only think of like a couple in the history of the Targaryens that, were, that even visited the North and had any... Um, knowledge of any like just the individual um, perspectives from each of these places. so it does make more sense um, that they don't <laughs> that they don't go back to that.
0: Baba, I know that uh, in a perfect world uh, Joffrey, uh will stop he'll unveil himself from faking his death and and become the one true ruler of of westeros once again uh, but could he possibly do it you know monday he's in the riverlands using little fingers teleporter uh and ruling uh tuesdays in the north and and wednesdays in the vale and thursdays in dorne and fridays in, you know uh and such and such uh but who do you see uh Or do you see a possibility of the seven kingdoms splitting up or uh, staying together? Or do you uh, see anybody in particular being able to take over any one of those seven kingdoms if they do split up?
2: Well, I don't want to throw a bucket of ice water on this, but I think when you just hear the word splitting up into seven kingdoms, and then there's seven kings, and then You know, you get this kind of bittersweet, oh, everybody was fighting over the Iron Throne and now we're just going to go back to the pre-Targaryen rule where people were fighting over borders and there were rulers and seven different things. I I would want some form of democracy. We've seen recently how great it works in America. Oh, no. Oh, brother. Okay, (laughs) Well, generally, generally, it would be nice if there was some sort of, you know, more uh, representative government rather than just seven kingdoms, and then it's petty squabbles all over again. And so, I think if you destroy the Iron Throne to just have other rulers, you know, I don't know if I don't know if it works. So I, that I, I don't see that happening personally. How about that?
0: All right, and I I tend to agree with that uh, myself. However, if I'm going to give Sansa a place to rule, um. I want her to rule the Riverlands. I think that she, uh, that would be the the fitting uh, place for her to end up because uh, of her Tully blood and because of her, uh, you know, the fact that uh, her family was totally destroyed by the Freys. To me, that would be a a very fitting place for her to end up.
1: Oh, wouldn't it be lovely if she just ended up on Nath? Uh, Miss Sandy's home home island of just butterflies everywhere wouldn't that be so lovely for Sansa?
0: <laughs> for her to get the fairy tale yeah, yeah absolutely for her to finally get the fairy tale absolutely uh, but I, like it's, that, that it's I like good, that I like that
2: idea Matt yeah her somewhere warm yeah. I like that a lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh one other email from Christine and it's just a quick congratulations she says hiya Matt Sorry I can't be part of the live show tonight just wanted to thank you for giving us fans such amazing podcasts for being so special and tirelessly casting for us all have a great 300th show I am forever your loyal listener you my friend are amazing lots of love and hugs to you that's from Christine aka cute poison tin thank you very much Christine really appreciate that uh Baba let me turn to you first real quick any final thought about uh, the television series before we move on to the books part
2: Well, I think sometimes because we're so wrapped up in plot, and story, in in questions even I'm asking about who will end up on the Iron Throne at the end, I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in these things, we don't just realize how lucky we are. And for just $14 a month paid for by our neighbor, we get to watch HBO and this incredibly (laughs) produced show. I mean this show, this is a blockbuster. If you've been to movies recently, what they put out is incredible. And on the schedule they do it, and the fact that we get it every year, I think it's hard to believe that sometimes this is just a TV show because it doesn't feel like that. And I think the, uh, all the behind-the-scenes people that you hear about on the Blu-rays and stuff, what they are accomplishing is incredible. And so I, I would just say that uh, – this is going to go out, you assume, with a bang and not a whimper. And uh, I would just say, I, this show has pushed television forward, the production values, the production model, everything. And so it, it is going to go down in history as something that really kind of took television to the next level, took television to the place where all these, you know, seventy-two-inch plasma TVs we're putting on our walls actually, uh, you know, are, make them worthwhile. When so much of video and things you watch on your phone, this is this is big screen TV. And I, I I just don't think we talk about it enough. It's been it's been great.
0: I agree there. Kelly, any final thoughts about the television show? And then we're going to see if Taryn wants to uh, talk to us about the television show.
1: Yeah, just I I, <laughs> I laugh when I was saying that because I, I actually mostly focus on podcasts to bring me back from that all of the time. <laughs> I I, I listen to the podcast because I'm so just absorbed and blown away by how beautiful the cinematography is and how good the acting is and the costumes and just the settings. And so I, <laughs> I actually can get so caught up in that, that I, I as you guys are talking about season six, I was like, you're right. There were some not great episodes. <laughs> But uh, I can always just appreciate the visuals of it, and um, and I'm so grateful that we have a community that we can level each other out about those things.
0: <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, let me get in, Taryn here, real quick. Taran, uh you gonna you did you want to talk TV show at all, or did you just want to talk books?
6: Uh, I have one question about TV show, but I want I want, told you to uh, really just congratulate you, man, because like. I was looking for podcasts back in, I, I don't believe, season four to, like, get into and be at the event or whatever. And you opened the door for me when we, you know when I was on emails and stuff. And I really appreciate it. And, and uh, congratulations on that.
0: Oh, thank you, man. Well, thanks for being such a great contributor to the show. I, lo- I love all the stuff that you sent me. All of the ideas and and um, the the hip links to to some theories and things I've really uh, appreciated that you've opened my eyes to a lot of things that I wasn't aware was out there. Now, uh, what did you have for us in terms of the television show? What did you want to talk about?
6: I'm a bit worried and and just really because because using this the, the, now right like now the show really doesn't have a villain yet. And I'm I, uh, like, like the third villain in this little, uh, you know, situation we have right now. Because Ramsey's dead and joffrey has gone, wherever your brother thinks he's at. And like right now, we don't have a a, a true prote- uh, antagonist other than Cersei. Which, you know, that's kind of that's kind of of an issue. Really, is she really a prote- uh, antagonist or not? To some people. But like that straight villain, like Ramsey was, and I'm just worried like who are they gonna make that as the villain? You get what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't. So you don't. I mean, for me, the Hold the Door episode um, humanized the White Walkers just a little bit to me. Um, I, now, whatever that tr- magical thing was that turned transformed them into human killers. There may be nothing else more to it than that. That's exactly what they've been turned into. But um, I still perceive... That, I mean, it's a little harder for me to perceive the, the entire White Walker races as not at least a little bit uh, victimized, but they're still pretty intrinsically evil. So um, that one, to me, poses as a, a, a major antagonist for the world to face. I mean, Yaro's...
6: Yeah, the, the conflict Yara and her uncle's going to have. And, you know, he, he, I, I see him as a possibility. Mm-hmm. Cersei, Cersei is a little bit humanizing in because it's, I mean, you could, you could kind of say that she's, she's doing this because she's trying to save her family, you know, tra- save her family name because she, she's going by what, what, uh, what her dad, um, like, kind of preaches and stuff, so she kind of gone by that, and she's kind of hurt by her 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 son, her uh, kids dying, so I kind of see, you kind of understand her point yeah. of view on that.
1: And, like, I think her, her walk of shame humanized her a lot with with everybody, gave her a lot of sympathy. Don't you think?
6: Yeah, I, I'm just yeah, I'm here.
1: Yeah, I was, I, was thinking, I was just adding to the things that I think gave Cersei some sympathy, and don't make her as much of a top-notch villain anymore.
6: Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, to me, the main character candidate might be um, Euron on this one.
0: Okay. Uh, Baba, uh, Night King, Euron, Cersei, is that enough?
2: I th- I think Terran's bringing up a great question in that this show has given us so many shades of evil from the, you know, the, the ruthless cold-hearted Tywin Lannister to the ruthless, cold-hearted Roose Bolton to the... Oh, wait. No, sorry. no I, I think it's a great point. I think the antagonists have to bounce off each other. But once again, I keep going back to the 13 episodes left. Is it time for one of these protagonists to suddenly flip? Like we have seen, certainly Cersei's always kind of been an antagonist in a lot of ways. But Has she just been pushed too far? Who's to say one of the Starks, who we loved so much, won't get pushed too far? Who's to say that Littlefinger, for his behind-the-scenes machinations, might suddenly be like, you know, who's left? It's time for me to come forward with my evilness. And so, you know, it's a tough call. A lot of times I'm thinking of great dramas like uh, certain seasons of uh, sorry to go on a tangent but breaking bad but uh, when there was uh, the, you know without spoiling breaking bad there was kind of this restaurant uh, Rosario Br- doing drugs and and while he he was a problem for the main character you know you didn't hate him so I think the show it's possible the show could be okay with just the remaining characters uh, and, and nobody going any more evil than the cold-hearted ruthless, Night
0: King. Yeah. Right it
2: could happen. All
0: right, on, Taryn. What else you got?
6: Uh, that's it. I mean, I got some prophecy stuff, so we don't have to get deep, deep in there, but I have a theory about Ezra, but we can talk about that in the book side.
0: All right. Yeah. Sounds good, man. We'll see you in the book section then. Uh, with that, why don't we end up the TV section? And we will uh, move on to the book section after the end music. But before we do that, I want to make sure that our TV listeners know where to find my special guests that I've had on with me tonight. That is of course, uh, Kelly first, Kelly, if people want to talk to you about game of Thrones, how can they find you on the interwebs?
1: Yeah, you can look me up on the Twitters. I'm Kelly underfoot. And shoot, Bubba, I'm coming up on you. I've got 170 followers. That's a triple-digit number.
2: <laughs> Listen, if listeners, if you want to follow Kelly on Twitter, just follow her at Fit and Trim. That's F-I-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-F. At Fit and Trim on Twitter.
1: Yes, <laughs> I have the best, the best tweets.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to wait for it. Kelly's whole motto is wait for it. And then about every other, you know, month or so, sixth or seventh month, a tweet comes out. But she does respond to people who tweet at her most of the time. Lovely. Absolutely. Bubba, you, of course, have the fantastic Double P Podcast Network, which has been very busy this fall with all kinds of podcasts about like Ash versus the Evil Dead, The Strain, uh, Twin Peaks. There's all kinds of things going on on the Double P Podcast Network. If you want to tell anybody about that, And where they can find you on Twitter, that's F-I-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-M. Where they can find you on Twitter, uh, feel free to do so.
2: Yeah, everybody, I got inspired by this 300-episode podcaster, Matt, on Podcast Winterfell. And so I've spun off some shows. If you like uh, great TV shows, and apparently you do because you're listening to this, go to Facebook.com slash double P podcast. That's the word double, the single letter P, the word podcast, plural. Facebook.com slash double P podcast to find out about all of our podcasts, including one we just launched about Twin Peaks. It's entitled Twin Peaks, the Gifted and the Damned. Find it on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud. And uh, it's a lot of fun and we were all inspired by a guy I like to call Double M, Matt Murdock.
0: It's all my fault, folks. It's all my fault. And you can, of course, follow me at F-I-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-M. There's Axel Foley to tell you all the rest.
3: You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Winterfell Pod. Contact the podcast either by email, podcastwinterfell at gmail.com, or by calling the listener line, 314 669 1840.
0: Okay, folks, we are now in the books section of the podcast. So if you are TV only in the chat room or listening and you don't want to know about some of the side stories that we may be talking about in terms of the books or um, what we might prognosticate about in terms of the uh, of the series in relation to the books, then um, this is the uh, place to drop off. And we appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. In the meantime, I'm going to turn back to Kelly because she's just been uh, writing thousands and thousands of pages, five times faster than George R. R. Martin can even think them up regarding the Grand Northern Conspiracy podcast, which will be coming up very soon for you listeners uh, before the Christmas break. But uh, Kelly, uh, a song of ice and fire, random thought. What's coming on?
1: Well, off the top of my head, of course, it's going to be GNC related. Just. I just sticks out of my brain. Uh, the the hooded man. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that one will always bother me. I think about it once a week. I promise. Like like, who is that guy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> How would he know that Theon was a kin slayer?
1: I know. Don't get me started. I've been down this road. <laughs> I know. It's it's um something that i hope we do find out about um there there's theories that it could have been hothar there's theories that, it, that i didn't rethink about until i started getting super deep into hothar or umber and there's possibilities i know it's um it's it's probably not harwood stout i've ruled him out he only has one arm so <laughs> <laughs> so that only leaves every other character that's at Winterfell and then possibly any that infiltrated. So we're we're getting close to figuring it out, guys. <laughs> oh, but I just love little mysteries like that, Matt. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Very good. Baba, do you have a... Uh, I know it's been forever since we did the Feast Dance tandem read, but I don't even remember if we talked about who that person was or not.
2: Yeah, no, we did. We did hypothesize. I think we don't currently have enough information to truly guess who it is. And uh, the breaking news on a blog post George R. R. Martin put up today, he said he's really slowing down his convention appearances in 2017 until the book is finished. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord, you're not done yet. <laughs> I would say that the TV show, since we just finished the TV show section, and now turning to the books, you, I start thinking about, well, the TV show is doing things, and I enjoyed them. I certainly enjoyed the, uh, the bye-bye sept in the final episode of season six. But we learned in the books that the wildfire got uh, removed from underneath the sept. So you wonder how are things going to go down? Probably the same result. Probably bad news for House Turl. Probably, certainly bad news for the High Sparrow. Uh, it, certainly, it wouldn't seem from the quagmire that's currently in Marine. That it could be solved as simply as, hey, Daenerys comes back, the dragons roast everybody, and now it's okay to leave when before she had dragons and they could still uprise in the city. So those questions are really kind of striking me about, well, how can the book end up in the same place as the show? And that's probably where my book questioning goes. I I can't wait for this book, but mainly because it doesn't exist yet, George. And so I don't know. I – the theories I've kind of gone over them too much. It's it's been too long since that last book went out, and, and we need it. We need we need this sixth book. We need the Winds of Winter. I know George wants to give it to us, but he's got he's got to find a way to finish it.
0: That is one thing that I'm finding kind of frustrating about the fandom right now. It's like uh, we've all kind of exhausted the main kind of theories, and um, now just in, in more as a mental exercise, we're we're starting to embrace things that probably are just not even likely to be acknowledged, um, you know, or, or a certain piece being fit in or, or not, uh, at a certain point, uh, which is fine. I mean, that's, that's a great marketing strategy. Everybody can be right that way. Right. Um, but, uh, to me, it's a little frustrating too, because now I'm wasting a lot of time reading things and then getting about halfway through it and going, nah, Nah, <laughs> you know, so uh, the, the overreaction due to the lack of material, I think, is is something that uh, all book fans need to be a little bit wary of. In terms of how it relates to the television show, Um, let, let me ask you this, Kelly. Because we saw Tyrion get along okay with dragons, do you feel like that was any kind of way of Dave and Dan making a nod towards the A plus J?
1: I would say yes. But since I don't think they put any of those um, other clues, like the saddle, I don't believe he was in the show. Did he bring that? The saddle wasn't in the show. The you are not my son or you're no son of mine, I don't think was in the show. Just some of those clues that were so key to the formation of that um they may just kind of bypass that and say whatever Tyrion's riding a dragon (laughs) and it will work because in the book George laid those clues and for the show it's just good enough that everyone loves Tyrion and hell yeah we want him to ride a dragon
0: (laughs) so in the books do you believe that uh Tyrion is is a secret target or not
1: I would not be disappointed if it were to be true. I'll say that. Like okay. I believe I believe enough evidence is present that it could happen and so if it does I'll say fair enough. <laughs> you know, but I, I won't be like like with Wax I just I'm so sick of this kid who just showed up out of nowhere and gave all of this plot, you know, merit. So some of that stuff I think is in like um Fagon. I'm just like come on. Like he came out of nowhere there were no clues, but since there have been clues for um I guess if you want to stretch the imagination for uh, or at least foreshadowing, at least somewhere in, in the book, it does kind of um, pay off a little bit that he's a secret targ.
2: I was going to say, since uh, we keep hearing in the chat room, I want to give a shout out to all the people in the chat room, like Peter, mm-hmm. down, in, down under Australia and Iron Drone and everybody in the chat room. Keep talking about GNC. How does John being crowned king in the north on the show, how does that square... With the GNC,
1: oh, Baba, why you gotta do this to me? You know we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> we still haven't gotten to it yet, Baba. I want you to be on the GNC podcast. I'm gonna put you on the spot.
2: <laughs> Finally, well, how about the? How about give us a spoiler? How, give us a kind of a taste of it. How will that tie together? Rob's will, or what, what's it gonna be?
1: The how does the rob or i'm sorry say the the question again like how does the the how does john
2: getting crowned king in the north how does that what's the end to that in the gnc is it rob's will or or how does how does that fit with the gnc
1: yeah the the initial premise is that rob named an heir it at a hagsmire and uh that mage mormont and Galba Glover made it to the neck and to um sent word to their <laughs> relatives at Deepwood Mott uh, or at, at um, Bear Island, which made it to Deepwood Mott and just to uh, Galber Glover, sent it to Robic Glover, who took it to Manderley. And now they all know.
0: And to give you a preview of what I will be like during the <laughs> DNC podcast. <laughs> yes you got an you got an end result and it does absolutely nothing to prove this massive conspiracy of all of these countries or all of these areas of the north uh working together uh to install john as king what happened was john won a battle at winterfell and then there was a big meeting and one girl stood up and everybody said okay (laughs) so to me it 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 deflates the gnc what how about you bubba
2: well, Matt, sorry, just by mentioning that one girl, a highlight, a gosh forsaken highlight of season six. Uh, that's where I'm going. Do you think that is there a chance that she will show up in the books? Wouldn't that be great? Can she be as great on the page as she is on the screen? That's what I want to see.
0: I I don't know if she can be as great on the page as she can be on the screen in George's phase of writing now because – You'll have a uh, fifteen hundred page description of her, and then she'll say two words.
1: You'll have inner monologue. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and the, the more complicated part is like, how does Sansa even get there? I think that'll be completely different in the book than it's than it was in the show. Like, that seems very. I mean, Sansa seems ingrained in the in the veil right now because she has to get married, and John's going to probably like the Battle of Winterfell has to happen, and it just doesn't seem to be a very big focal point. Um, I think the GNC culminating is really <laughs> spoiler alert for the GNC episodes, but I really think it's just cul- culminating in, in the unification of all of these lords for a common cause. I don't think it's going to matter because I think the um, the long winters or the the long nights coming. So it what it does is it prepares them all by focusing their efforts on one cause, so they lose the fewest forces instead of this fractured fighting. So they do ha- stand a chance to fight. Mm-hmm. It's the only mm-hmm. thing I think it serves to do. <laughs>
2: And listeners, that's a little taste of the next <laughs> next GNC podcast that's coming down the pike here on Winterfell Pot.
1: I still think it's exciting, though. <laughs> I think it's right. intriguing, and I think it's possible, and that makes it exciting.
0: <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, why don't we bring in uh, our callers back again with any thoughts that they have about A Song of Ice and Fire? We'll turn back to Mike. Mike, thanks again for joining us in the book side of the podcast. Um, A Song of Ice and Fire Thoughts. You've read, I, I'm assuming, uh, all of the books proper. Have you read The Dunkin' Eggs, The Princess and the Queen, all of that stuff as well?
5: As weird as it is, the only one I did not read was The Princess and the Queen. Because if it's much like, you know, uh, what was that one that was in uh, Rogues? I forgot. Some prince. I forgot the name of it.
1: It was The Rogue Prince, wasn't it?
5: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rogue Prince. That's the uh, that one, Duncan Egg. Uh I even read uh most of World of Ice and Fire. I didn't get to the yes. Princess and the Queen yet.
0: Well, uh I'm sure that Bubba will tell you not to uh Aww. read The Princess <laughs> and the Queen.
1: I think it's better than Rogue Prince. Don't don't get to yeah. It, yeah, it's better than Rogue Prince,
2: which is a bit like being a white is better than uh losing your head like mad. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well now I gotta get it to listen.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, is, is The Rogue Prince also read by Jorah, I think, the um, the audiobook?
5: No, I think it's Roy <gasps> it,
1: Sorry?
5: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Roy D'Atrese.
0: Oh, Roy Detrice wrote oh, okay. read the, the Rogue Prince as well? Very cool.
5: Yes, I believe so.
1: I know Jorah, Jorah read them. I forget the actor's name, sorry.
0: <laughs> I, that's that's uh, Ian Glenn, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His voice is beautiful.
1: I'll represent ladies. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll identify it. I'll call it out.
0: Nobody likes Jorah, but everybody likes Ian. That's the way it goes, <laughs> folks. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, what do you've got for us, Mike? What do you, you want to uh, talk about?
5: Uh, I mean, hearing you guys talk inspired me a lot, honestly. And My biggest thing I was thinking about now is who's more likely to be a Targaryen? Is it Jamie and Cersei or Tyrion? Because the advances Ares... You know, was having with Joanna wasn't that pre Jamie and Cersei?
0: Yeah, and she actually was taken away. i uh, was on on Tywin and and Joanna's wedding night. Aries took liberties, but um, if you look at the dates of the World of Ice and Fire, it seems to place. The possibility more with Tyrion because it seems like Joanna was away at uh, Casterly Rock when Jaime and uh, Cersei were born. I don't know which to believe. I, I mean, you can look at the you can look at the traits, um, as far as uh, Jaime and Cersei having the, the the whole incestual thing going, but that could have just been because of the trauma of their childhood. Um. Either either way, for me, uh, would work. Um, but I think if you're going to have someone who could actually be a successor to the Iron Throne in one way or another, even if it's just being a bastard, I, I'd prefer uh, Tyrion because he, he's a broken thing and, and a bastard and somewhat of a cripple. He's a three for three, too, Bubba.
2: Oh, dear Lord. Do I need to pull out an old <laughs> classic from the very first podcast winterfells about my thoughts about theon.
0: No, I hate theon. Uh, theon. <laughs> yeah, but do you hate evil uncle Tyrion as much as you hate Theon? I'm
2: going to have to have some hot tea before I say what I think about that little imp.
0: But uh, uh.
2: <laughs> Calm yourself. But I always thought uh, I always thought number 1 I didn't want either any L- Lannister sibling to be a Targaryen. I thought it cheapened all of them in some way. To me, it makes more logical sense if the twins are, but based on things that the co-authors of The World of Ice and Fire keep hinting, it seems like you can rule them out. To me, what I read in the book, to me, it didn't rule them out based on the way the co-authors of The World of Ice and Fire are saying. Now, they claim not to know, but they claim based on what they've read and seen that the timing can't work out for Jamie and Cersei to be the Mad King's children. Now, in the World of Ice and Fire that I read, I, I didn't see anything that necessarily cut that off entirely. But they seem to imply that if any child of Joanna Lannister's is from the Mad Kings, it would have been Tyrion. I hate that idea, but I do have to admit there is enough uh, evidence, there are enough clues that you can quote-unquote do the math on so that you could see Tyrion Targaryen being a possibility.
0: I have been waiting all episode to hear you say "do the math." (laughs) I have been. Uh, That that's my favorite Bubba phrase. Do the math. He taught me. Bubba taught me how to do the math. Uh, Mike, sorry I had to put you on hold there. Uh, You had like a train sound or something coming through there, so I had to some kind of beeping, so I had to put you on hold. But uh, I, I hopefully you could hear Bubba's answer there.
5: Oh no! Yeah, I heard, and I agree with him entirely. I do see all the footwork George tends to put down to go in either direction, honestly, or none at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you see so many posts now in uh, in in the Westeros.org dot org site uh, of just how everybody's just hates. You know, everybody's coming up with a new secret targ. For crying out loud, I think uh, I think there might be a secret Targ faceless man in there somewhere who's also Dario Harris, who's also uh, uh, Euron Greyjoy, who's also you know it's one of those things where um, that's one of those things where I was talking about earlier where I just feel like people are stretching. However, there is book evidence, uh, like you said, for either or, and um, there is now Song of Ice and uh, World of Ice and Fire evidence um, that would seem to defeat. Cersei and Jamie, but as Bubba mentioned um, with the co-authors going on and of course George did give the approval it just seems a little weird um, that in, this isn't a sex of the horse kind of thing you know so that, yeah. that that's what's why it seems um, a little more prevalent to me if you're going to try and p- put pieces together but we don't have the whole story we don't have the whole story we will have to find out what else you got for us Mike just also wondering
5: what's going to happen with Danny, because last time we left off, you know, the the car was, you know, approaching her. That's just what got me really excited because the show may be misleading us or showing us exactly where they plan on going. And I'm kind of excited to see her, like, you know, revert back to stage one of all of her work that just kind of went out the window.
0: Yeah. Well, when we did our reread of Game of Thrones, the whole uh, Vase Dothrock conversation came up um quite a bit actually and that was before season six aired and then we all saw season six we're like oh maybe 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 that is where it's going to happen i don't know kelly have you given any thought to that
1: i'm pretty sure that that will um won't go down exactly how it did because georgia said that that her surviving fire was a one-time thing granted he can go back on that whatever he wants to put in the books will be in the books so Uh, if that's how she gets out of it it will maybe um show that maybe she like the first time it was just happened to her and now this time she controls it or something like that so maybe it's still both can still be true
0: i mean even take the burning of the temple out of the equation and just the fact that she'll be returned to Vastoth rock definitely um yeah yeah.
1: Um, yeah i think that'll be very likely and yeah back to where the you know she first had the prophecy and everything where she, I think seeing how different she is now from how she was then will also be really um, powerful for, for her character. And of course now she's got dragons, so that'll be um, a whole new level of power. And hopefully yeah. she, hopefully it's it's impactful, not just like, she, not like egotistical and going to her head and she's super maniac about it. Not Hopefully she doesn't go full Targaryen when she gets there, you know. I'm hoping kind of like what she did in the show, kind of looked like she went full Targaryen there. So I'm hoping there's a little bit more nuance when we have her POV about it. That um, there's, we can see her looking at the the women and somehow we can feel the empathy in her and how she wants to free them, like she freed everyone in Marine kind of a thing. Um, and now she just grows her army more. And just a lot like that, that happens between the Starks and the, the Lannisters in Westeros, the rule by fear or rule by love and which one, has the lasting, you know, the staying power. And I think that Danny ruling by fear is not her way. So hopefully, you know, that (laughs) hopefully that works out for her.
0: Yeah, I understood. Can I,
2: can I jump in on this, Matt?
0: Sure. Absolutely.
2: In the books, there is hints or foreshadowing of Vestothrak getting a little toasty is the kindest way to put it with the, uh, the old crones there jumping into the lake by the, by Vestothrak. So I think there's a good chance that something like this is going to happen. I would imagine dragons are more involved than her just pushing over stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised. I always kind of thought George is saying, oh, that was a one-time thing. That was a one-time thing with Danny." almost as a bit as the author doth protest too much. And I I think he is I've just seen it for a while In my own reading I've always thought that another moment like that would happen And so, I don't know I'm predicting that for the wind's winter So everybody will see that I was either right or wrong in 2025
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I will acknowledge uh, Bubba's uh, probably 45th, 100th criticism of George In the last 15 episodes he's been on of this podcast (laughs) <laughs> uh, and that's just the last 15 We've got, you know, 285 oh, well, more
2: I look at how much of my life How much of my discretionary income I've given to George just, I, I love him, I love the story he created In uh, the story, I love the story He hasn't finished <laughs>
0: Excellent
1: What did you think, Mike? Yeah, let, what did he say?
5: I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm too Led by the show because honestly, I, I don't see what of a difference they could do. Because, I mean, I literally crammed in all of this in such a short span of time. And listening to you guys always gives me some different perspectives I'd never realized. So mm-hmm. just watching the show makes me feel like, okay, so it's going to pan out very similar. Instead of like the higher and stuff, it's just going to be like, okay, here's my dragon. And they follow her and just increase you know her army. But, I mean, that does sound very lazy, so I'm guaranteeing it's going to be like, much epic.
0: I, I think the more interesting aspect of Danny's story isn't so much about the Dothraki as it is about where she's going to get the ships from. Is it going to be from Victorian? Is it going to be from Euron? I'm hoping um,
5: it's Victorian so bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're both such despicable characters. I can't stand either of them.
5: I love Victarion. I don't know what it is about them.
1: He is. There is something endearing about him. I don't know either. He is horrible, but there is something. That he... oh, the
0: way he treats that. The way he treats that girl is horrific. The but the, the, the nasty. Yeah.
5: The like good thing, though, I don't know. It's so hard to explain. I know if you just look at his acts, he's a you know a mean, cruel person, but. The sympathy is there, and I don't know why. It makes me question myself as a person, but I kind of enjoy bit, it a
1: little bit. Well, in the well, same like, way. He's, so, he's, like
2: so he's so delusional. He's so delusional and and wrong. You almost feel sorry for him. Like, boy, this guy doesn't really know what's <laughs> up.
1: He's so clueless. Yeah, a little bit. But he's so like like narrow minded and and resolved. I think you can admire maybe that about him, without like mm. thinking too much about how he murdered his wife. <laughs>
0: There you go, yeah. George R. R. Martin. Achievement unlocked. You made everybody like a completely despicable character.
2: You, you know what, Matt? I have to say that. Get back to Danny. I think you know, people are saying, "Well, what's going to happen in Dothrak? How is she going to get the ships?" I think a lot of us are really wondering, "What are the twenty-five items she eats for
1: dinner?" That's, <laughs> 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 That's
0: true uh let's see there's bound to be some some insect uh stuff going on if she's uh, with the dothraki right right
2: we've and got we've got milk. boiled horse milk we got fried <laughs> horse milk we got this
1: <laughs> salad's made of all the different colored grasses it's gonna be glorious uh, uh, <laughs> but described uh, not some not a <laughs> I hope so. All right.
0: Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for spending uh, some time with us on our 300th episode. Really appreciate you, man. Glad I could be here. Yeah. Let's move back to Becky and see what Becky has to say about the books. Becky, give us some thoughts, your thoughts about the books, anything.
4: Oh, well, uh, I guess I'm most interested uh, to see Daener- where Daenerys exactly lands in Westeros and her initial meeting with uh, our friend Fagon.
0: mm so you think I, that's going to happen, huh?
4: I think so. I think Fagon's going to remove Cersei out of King's Landing. Um, and that way we can go back to Casterly Rock because we, we hear too much about it without ever seeing it we need to see it on the page Mm -hmm. and then and then um yeah so aegon will get her out of there and then daenerys will come over but where where is she going to come where is she going to land and then when is she going to figure figure out about the white walkers
0: uh yeah that's a great question something that's interesting because of the whole quint uh Quentin Martell thing. Do you think that the show has kind of taking a lead from that to, th- to make us think that in the books, Danny might land in Dorne?
4: She could, and that would be right now in the books a very unwelcome, uh, un- not su- not such a friendly uh, territory for her to be landing at. That's true. Yeah. Um, or, or, and this is me thinking out loud, but maybe instead of her going to Dorn and maybe if she hooks up with Tyrion, that he actually takes her to Casterly Rock.
0: Oh, and comes in from the West. Yeah. Could be interesting to see. That yeah. would be an interesting I mean, way just, to see Casterly Rock.
4: Yeah. Um, but no, I, I feel like she's she's either gonna land in Dorne or she's going to land on Dragonstone.
0: Yeah. It's it's easy sometimes to forget that in the books, uh, I mean, because in the television show, uh Tyrion and Danny have been hanging out for what, a season and a half, but in in the books, right. they haven't even met yet, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He mm-hmm. just signed with the Golden Company. Or right. yeah, something like
0: that. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's 50 different armies outside outside the camps as opposed to just a fleet of ships um in the show. So
1: those armies. Sorry, It just reminded me of just the description of all the ridiculous armies over there. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> we didn't get that. I feel like that would have been like blue, blue mustache, blue bearded Dario. It just wouldn't have made sense on on the you know on the screen as much as on the page. But I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to those guys. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <Right on. laughs> oh, very good, uh, Bubba. Any thoughts on uh, Danny's landing point?
2: Ooh, boy! It, in the books, it feels so far away. I couldn't. I, I can't even guess. It it doesn't make any sense. I I have a hard time guessing. It it would make sense in some ways that she went to Dragonstone because one of the themes George does is history repeats itself. So if she's on Dragonstone and then once again invades the Seven Kingdoms from there, it, it, to me it kind of makes thematic sense almost that she's truly following Mm -hmm. in the footsteps of her ancestors. But, you know, I I have to be honest, I I don't know. And I, and I normally can, I normally can figure this stuff out. So it's killing. There's some like
1: mysteries that were left on Dragonstone too, that would be resolved, you know, just as much as like going to, to, um, Casterly Rock would resolve some of that. Just the fact that we have never been there would be great. But the, the mysteries that Stannis left when he left there, um, like they were supposedly eggs. They were supposedly, um, dragonglass. There were supposedly dragon glass. There are some things that that would actually play into plot wise. I think that would be useful. It just doesn't seem like anything Danny would know of to how to use yet. So it's hard to say that it how it goes from her journey to learning how to use those things.
0: Uh, anybody have a question for Becky about the books that they want to ask her?
1: Well,
2: Becky, we kind of have talked to each other so amongst amongst ourselves that we. We don't have something new. So is there a theory out there that you have heard or is there one that you really love that you want to come true? Uh
4: well, my my favorite theory, I mean, is definitely the GNC and I'm I'm a strong believer in it. I don't know every detail that the the original GNC author puts out is I, we might be reading a little too much into it, but I do I do think that the g and is going to come true
2: in the book Alright, so Becky, because uh, from your everything you've told us, you really feel like a Team Stark member a, man, a mm-hmm. Bannerman of House Stark, so let's name it. If you had to kill two Starks, who would they be? Um <laughs>
4: uh. Rickon
2: and Arya. Damn. That's stone cold. That shows leadership, though, quickly choosing. Stannis would like you. Yep. I'm down with Becky. Yeah.
4: I, I had to think about the Rickon one, but, yeah, I, I don't see Arya making, making her way through the entire series.
2: And there's been foreshadowing about that you know, Arya's face down in the snow. So, of course, there's also all the times George says that Paris would kill him if he did anything on the page to Arya, so we'll have to see. But (laughs) you chose chose your side. I love
4: it. Yeah, but Arya, you know, doesn't necessarily mean Arya is going to die as much as Arya Stark is going to die. And I know right now her art seems for her to be coming back from the Faceless Man trainee back into Arya Stark. But when she gets back to Westeros, can she ever really become Arya Stark again?
1: She was so young when she left. It's hard to know how much like the impact of her her first, what, seven years gave her, and yet how long has she been, you know, at least three, two, two years with, you know, without parents, without any Starks living and without her dire wolf even on the same continent? <laughs> you know, it's she, yeah. it's very possible that like her, her story is kind of a tragedy and like maybe even a little bit of a horror. <laughs> okay. Speaking I, I of really, horror, oh, sorry. Oops.
4: No, I was going to say, I will be very disappointed if she does not reunite with Nymeria, though.
2: Becky, will you uh, be very that, Becky? Will you be very disappointed if the book starts killing direwolves like the show has? Yes,
4: I, w- I will. It'll, that that will be a heartbreaker. Well, if, if Shaggy yeah, Dog doesn't make it through the whole series, then I've I've wasted years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After my own heart, I am on the same. <laughs> Same wavelength with you. I'm like at least the dogs kill the kids. Just let the dogs live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, well. Now I actually, you know, in the television show, I thought the 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 death of summer at the hands of the White Walkers was a very metaphoric uh, and fitting ending for summer. As much as I hated it, I thought that that was a great metaphor uh, for what's to come. But. Uh, shaggy dog sitting out there on an island with uh with uh rick on what is that Skagos they're at a bunch
4: probably. of unicorns
0: yeah yeah killing unicorns or fighting unicorns according to john's uh john's little warging ghost connection mm-hmm. experience um that that was some great stuff. That was some great cl- clues laying. And I remember uh, seeing a, um, a couple of online articles recently that were posted that were postulating that. Like, it just came up. And I'm, like, thinking, you know, Bubba dissected that, like, you know, two years ago. What's going on with you people? <laughs> all of all of the fans actually already know that, that Rick on his own Skagos. Come on. That's um, cute.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone's catching up. Everyone's at a different pace, man. Just be glad they got yeah. there eventually.
0: <laughs> Bubba, Bubba does the math better than anybody else, I'm telling you. Bubba is a, <laughs> a master mathematician. He really is.
2: It's a wizard. And, and this is just for people in the chat room. Speaking of doing the math, that if you add 157 Twitter followers, I'll get to 1,000. At Fit and Trim. That's F I T T E N D R I M. <laughs>
0: It had been too Bubba to 1000 is the hashtag for the night. Ready? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what else, Becky?
4: Um, I think that's about it for me and the books. I mean, I'm also very excited for uh, the She will, the Winter Settle to come out. I need some more Dunkin' eggs, that's for sure. Yay.
0: No, no, not until Winds of Winter comes out. No, no. Duncan eggs.
4: Yeah, but. <laughs> Hopefully very soon after Winds of Winter.
0: No. (laughs) I have a feeling that if it comes out very soon after Winds of Winter, then that means that he spent part of his Winds of Winter time on... uh, I want him to finish Winds of Winter and then start uh, any Dunkin' Egg book. That's me.
2: How how about a finish A Dream of Spring too? Come on. Well,
4: that's (laughs) what I'm wondering is if he's also working on A Dream of Spring and trying to make sure all the that he does all the math for the whole series before when the winner comes out.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that is probably has been part of his problem this time around. It's like, he's, he's written such a vast amount of stuff. He's trying to figure out what am I going to pay off? What am I going to just leave for people to think about? I think that that's been a big problem for him. I think that's been kind of a writer's block for him in a way.
4: Definitely. Well, you know, and that was, the problem, the mirror needs knot that he got himself into. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are just more and more knots that he created.
0: Yeah. I if totally agree. But yet. if he
4: just listened to the podcast Winterfell, then he could probably unknot those
1: knots very easily.
0: Bob has already done the math.
1: Exactly. I've got the spreadsheets, guys. I'll, just, I'll send it. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. And, and and Kelly has about 14 spreadsheets with all of the knots untied.
2: That's true. But if she mails those to George, do you know how many chapters we're going to get about how they got ice to It'll be. Ding, 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 ding,
0: ding. Yeah. He's not
1: wrong. <laughs> oh, it would be so good. Uh, i have a question uh just i was thinking about we were talking about Kythe a little bit and does anyone have especially Becky Ann, because we don't talk too much about some of these mysteries that don't have answers just yet but do you have any like wishes for who she is
4: i'm sorry i missed the kite of that yeah
1: Kythe the oh um,
4: yeah shadow
1: binder i
4: i i'm liking the theory that it's nurse's
1: mother, and who that's... do you think that is? Oh, Daenerys's the...
4: mother, Danny's mother.
1: Yeah, you think it's just it's just straight Danny's mom, not <laughs> not like yeah, an alternative is... theory where Danny's mom is not her mom. Okay, I just didn't want to introduce new oh, theories. No no, in no, the... no, 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 Cool. No, okay, no, I,
4: because it's one of those we're not quite a hundred percent sure. I mean, no one else was on Dragonstone that we know of to really verify that she died when she gave birth to Danny. So that's just a theory that I like. Other than that, I, I'm not quite sure who else Quaithe would be other
1: than just Quaithe. Yeah. A Shardane maybe. <laughs> that's another really cool one that i came across i like that but yeah the the mysteriousness and the, the magic that she seems to have is is always so intriguing yeah. to me. and i always like to hear whatever yeah. think.
0: speaking of that magic um i i know that bubba and i've talked about this before um do we think it's a glass candle kind of thing
2: that's what our good well, friend susan susan always brought up and, and i think it makes a lot of sense
0: yeah i
4: thought i thought that it was well there's that one scene which uh uh I'm just trying to remember what book it's from. Uh but yeah, I thought I thought it was a pretty clear indication that she was communicating con- with Danny, uh with the with the glass candles.
0: That's that's one that I really like too. Yeah. Very okay. good. Kelly, you're in agreement?
1: Yeah, I almost felt like the glass candles was uh, invented to explain Kaith <laughs> because George you know, describes them much, much after these things happen with Danny. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> He's like, how, how does this make sense? <laughs> I'll write it in later. Right. It's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah. The uh, the only time that Danny sees uh, Kaith after the glass candles are introduced in Feast, I guess, would be uh, in Dance of Dragons, right? When she comes to her saying, Beware of the perfume center shell and all that stuff.
1: Oh, that's true. <laughs> An underrated, I think, uh, mysterious
0: character. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Bubba, do you have any thought on who Kaith is?
2: No, I I tend to believe that she is just a shadow binder and you know, she's trying to she's trying to work her wares. A lot of people seem to worship, a lot of people seem to worship Danny, the red gods over in Essos seem to like her. So I, I tend to think she is, I think there are so many other characters there and we haven't mentioned, uh, Marwin, the May, you know, Marwin on mm-hmm. his way. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And I think, uh, you know, I'd love to, once George finishes everything, I'd love to have his, his thoughts on him watching, the TV show outlast his, you know, outpace his creation. And and if he could be truly honest, say anything like, ah, when the TV show did that, oh, I realized that was kind of rough and I was never going to do that. Or, gee, the way the TV show did that, that actually was simple and a good way to just cut to the chase. I'd love to hear that from
0: Yeah, very good. Uh, Becky, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank we you. We really appreciate your time um, and your great thoughts. And we're going to move on to Taryn, our final caller for the evening. There we go. Taryn, welcome back. Uh, now All we're right, into bud. the book stuff that you wanted to talk about earlier, I guess.
6: All right. First thing first, I definitely believe Euron is going to be that, that, that one – Villain that's going to make everybody feel very uncomfortable just about his character alone. I'm, I just see, I just see him doing a lot of horrible things in the books and the show all the way around. And it's just, I've been really stuck on one of the sample chapters. Can we talk about that?
2: Sure. That's, okay, that's a, that's me. a great, that's a great sample chapter. Isn't it, Taryn?
6: That's, that seventh chapter messed me up. I, I had nightmares over that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that uh, I haven't felt that way since the Red Wedding. How I'm like mean, that—that's just twisted. <laughs> but like, um, I, I definitely believe he—he's gonna be the, the villain that people gonna really look at Martin crazy about. <laughs>
0: and
6: okay. I mean, you can I could comment off of that one, I guess.
0: Well, I I think that you're on uh, after the the sample chapter um, that we read. Definitely um, is um, the the substitute big bad for whatever else happens. Um, it's it's so hard with the books because you almost feel like the death of Marcella and the death of Tommen is definitely has to come. But we even thought that uh, just being book readers without getting the confirmation of that in the television series. Um, and you, you, I don't know if that leads to Cersei being in power or not, but I do know that it leads to a much weaker throne, which would allow Euron to take over if he wishes.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, I just want to jump in on this if I could. And I'd say that just like the TV show, Euron hasn't been in it much and it feels just a bit, maybe like for me, the Aegon plot did, it feels a bit like late for somebody to be getting in. And if somebody's going to get in this late, like I said in the TV section, Euron needs to go big or go home. I personally think that, uh, you know, I I, dare I say I wanted Dance with Dragons to be longer or A Feast for Crows to be longer. But this chapter should have been in one of those books because Euron, he really, for someone who's about to become a big bad, he really doesn't do too many bad things on the page that we find out about in A Feast for Crows. And so I, I think it could have livened that book up to really have this cliffhanger of this just seemingly, you know, completely insane mofo out there on his boat. Uh, I, I loved that sample chapter. It did get me excited for uh,
0: the Windsor Winter. So, George, finish it. Loved it. Yeah. Well, you know, if you had to double your time as Dario Nahara, she'd be crazy, too. <laughs> <laughs>
6: But, what else I, you got oh, for I us,
0: Terrence?
6: Oh yeah, um, I've been I've been in this little, uh, you know, the little um, empire of Don Warm Home. <laughs> pretty much, it had me right, thinking yeah. about Azo, Azo Aha. Like, is this? Like, I'm looking I'm looking deeper than the actual prophecy now, because I'm looking at like this. Is just a theory. Man. I'm just gonna throw this out there. and Y'all can talk about this. But um, we with, with that with that Don of uh, Empire of Don theory, they 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 were talking about how the Danes and how a lot, a lot of these houses came to Westeros, right? So mm-hmm. it it kind of made me think about could uh, could this could an Ahai actually be some type of code for actually sacrificing a better life? Because of things got things that became really bad in a certain area. For example, at Shaw. Because if you if you hear the descriptions sh- the about Shah, it's all charred and dark, and you know the water's poison, the whole nine. And going with all the theories about like the uh, pearl, I think like the Pearl Emperor, you know the uh, Bloodstone Emperor, and everything like that. It's something bigger than. It's something deeper with the prophecy that I feel like it, it, it has taken on to a whole nother, it, it has taken on to a whole another part, like actually being called instead of actually being taken literally like, like Melisandre's gone. So I was just wondering, I mean, did, did you think anything goes, have you really thought about anything go, about that?
0: That's an interesting did question. I mean, before we, before we answer that, Taryn, let me ask you this. Well, um, as far as uh lucifer means Lightbringer's theory goes and then the one that i presented on on my podcast um do the discrepancies between those make you sway one way or another
6: i i kind of think it probably was a uh, was some type of catastrophe see, with the moons or whatnot that caused something that happened to ashore but i believe that uh the the stuff that we we found with the Empire of the Dawn, mm-hmm. that kind of pushed other things, other people to move around to create. their all little uh, scene or whatnot, like it's you know, shy and not shy, but like the uh, the Danes and you know, the, a lot of the first men because we really don't know what the where the first man came from. They just say it came from the east. So I think right. it's more it's more of them to me that they're, they're sacrificing. They sacrifice for something more than just, you know, sacrificing for a greater good. Pretty much, like I said, I've been in this wormhole, man. It's, it's, it's I need another book coming out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I want to read uh, before we answer that question. I do want to read this uh, question in the chat room from from Mike Mason, who asks, "I really want to know why Benjamin is in the Night's Watch. I can't figure it out." Um, I always just took it as a fact that, you know, he was the third son of three sons and never thought he'd be the uh, Lord of Winterfell and therefore, um, it was a noble calling. Uh, just the same way that Bran wanted to much like, uh, be a member of the, the Kingsguard. That was what he, his ultimate goal was to be before he got pushed out of the window by Jamie Lannister. Um, so that, just wanted to answer that real quick. But uh, uh, the, the, Kelly, let's go to you about the Empire of the Dawn.
1: Well, really quick about Benjamin is that there is a there is a theory that he knew that John was um, not Ned's son. So he wanted to go to the wall to kind of abdicate himself from any potential questioning or something like that. It's just another
0: theory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that when he shows up, he knows. Uh-huh. He, well either either he was
1: prepping for that but it doesn't seem such because he does kind of discourage John when he and John talks about it so um, but yeah there is more I think evidence just that it is a, a yeah, especially with the first prologue it's just the noble's third son youngest son yeah with a what was it way more rice shows up there mm-hmm. too it's, it's very common um, a northern tradition but it's also it could also be <laughs> more conspiratorial if we wanted it to be <laughs>
0: yeah yeah there you go but you go. as
1: for the azora high stuff that and and how um i would have to have a lot more to read about that. i apologize I, I i i'm intrigued and i enjoy the the speculation and i love that taryn is such an always like compare between like someone being way too skeptical which I think Matt you might fall a little bit into that end of the spectrum and then there's Taryn with like thankfully yeah, you've got a temperance I know you've got Taryn on the other end though he's got such an open mind and like thinks about all of these possibilities and makes connections that would otherwise seem like I would never even thought of that I love it so other than praise I really just have <laughs> praise and, and and wide-eyed awe at the the, the possibilities I'm not much else. <laughs>
0: Sorry. How familiar with the Empire of the Dawn theory are you, Kelly? Have you read it?
1: Mm-mm.
0: Uh, you can find it on Reddit, or you can hear my presentation of it in a podcast a few episodes back. You know I'll do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Bubba, any thought on the Empire of the Dawn?
2: I thought your podcast was great about it, and I want to give a shout out to Terran, who's talking about what happened to a shy. How did it end up this way, and if. The city itself was almost a sacrifice to defeat the uh, great evil the last time. And would everybody be OK if suddenly Winterfell turned into a kind of oh, a God. dead city like <laughs> a shy to save to save everything? I, I think that's a that's a that that would be the bittersweet ending George keeps talking about. We we won, but we lost. Love it.
0: Wow. <laughs> what do you think of that? Tara?
6: Oh yeah, that, that I had a thought. I, I told, I think I told um, I on um, this in Twitter about sounds and lemon cakes. <laughs> it was like a, I guess a foreshadow for being a bittersweet character. But, so i we can laugh at that. You can take it wherever you want to take it. Oh man! Any other
0: <laughs> any other subject, Aaron?
6: Um, not really all right uh, we, all right we'll we just talk about the show,
0: so. all right well uh thank you much man we really appreciate you uh taking the time to call in for the 300th episode it's been great talking to you and it's been great talking to all of our listeners do have a little bit of feedback for the a song of ice and fire section there was a raven from king's landing feedback First, uh, these are a series of tweets from at Real Peterman on Twitter. Um, and this is in regards to I believe let's see. I don't I don't even remember what this is in regards to. That's not good. Um, anyway, at Real Peterman said, I love the comparison between Dance of Dragons and the main story as for the Dragon, like Targ, stillborn discussions. Oh, this would have been uh, our Duncan Egg stuff, right, Kelly?
1: Sorry, Sagan
0: uh, broke up for some reason. I, I believe that at uh, Real Peterman on Twitter uh, is com- is talking about some of our Duncan Egg discussions. Yeah. Um, he says, "Love the comparison between Dance of Dragons and the main story." Um, as for the dragon. Like Targ Stillborn's discussion, Magor had a bunch of them. Prince Daemon had one with Lena. In all these instances, including Danny, foul play was suspected. Targ blood is already infused with Valerian sorcery, and any more magical slash poisonous tinkering with the pregnant lady seems to destroy the balance of Targ DNA. So uh, that was the story of the of the. No, the princess and the queen. That's the one. Yeah, I was going to
1: say I wasn't on that one. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) to my to my sorrow,
1: I missed that one. I was so sad.
0: Well, Bubba, you were on that one. So, uh, what do you think about this?
2: Boy, we talk about princess and the queen, and I'm going to fall asleep again. Sorry, uh, I you know the princess and the queen brought up a lot of things and answered some things, but I, I didn't get any great theories from it. Sorry.
0: Gotcha understood yeah um i like this as a plausible explanation as to why uh both danny and uh i can't remember the princess's name now reyna was that her in the princess and the queen
2: yeah see
0: this is where it gets funny oh, it wasn't yeah Reina. Prin- yeah, right she was she was one of the blacks not the or was she one of the greens now I'm all black, confused. Yeah.
2: now that you're explaining a- why the story is so crazy <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll have to go back and listen to my own podcast but yeah that that's well that's where the line comes wasn't from. it renée right. Rhaenyra.
1: was, the, Rhaenyra, was the princess. maybe that's
0: it oh boy yeah
1: <laughs> and she was the blacks and and queen alicent was the greens
0: right i'm
1: okay, so i'm go. so kicking myself that i missed that one i loved the princess and the queen <laughs>
0: Did you really? I really did. Oh, boy. You've got a couple of people here on the podcast with you that did not. I
1: know. That's why I wanted to change your minds and hearts about it. But another time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Finally, I have this email from Mariah who says, Hi, I know you're really busy, but I had an idea for an episode I don't think you've done yet. So here it is. I think it would make for a good episode to do now as we have watched this last season. What do us book readers and show watchers think the books are going to do? do? Are they going to go based on what happened on the show? I think it would be real fun to theorize and talk about what book theories don't make sense. Just an idea I had. Thanks for your time. You are my favorite Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Well, Mariah, thank you so much for writing in. Um, That's kind of what we've been doing a lot of, is taking the in this book section, has been taking the show... Um, material and wondering if the books are pointing in that direction or not or if it's disqualifying any theories. I think one theory that we could definitely say that if you want to use the show as evidence for the books, we can disqualify that Euron Greyjoy is Doriana <laughs> Harris. Among many <laughs>
1: others, yeah. I think I think adding like an asterisk to the end of every theory at this point saying, but in the show <laughs> there's an indication right. of evidence and we're not going to call this canon, but it could imply that there are is no, (laughs) no, no theory to be had here.
2: If I could answer Mariah's question in that Mariah, I always wondered, well, what would be the outcome of Jamie Brienne attended by Lady Stoneheart and what would happen there? And the fact that the show has blown past it seemingly now on the show where any sort of outcome that could have been, I'd mentioned this to Matt. I, I think there's a chance now that maybe that implies that Lady Stoneheart dies when this confrontation happens for good and that jamie and brand kind of make out it make it out okay i wonder about that i've always thought that varies was a member of a kind of bastard targ line across in essos and he's because varies is supporting Aegon, who i believe is fagon in the books and the show hasn't touched on that at all one of the things i keep wondering is well by varies backing Aegon, he kind of has to die right doesn't danny have to kill this person who's backing this cloth dragon, this mummer's dragon. And so I start wondering, I, I go to the show then and think, well, gee, how will varies on the show? Pay for the crime that ba- varies in the books did. I, I definitely think we could do a whole podcast going down this because uh, it's one of the things I certainly think about now that we've had the book so long and in, in, I feel like we've examined so many of these theories so well.
0: Right on. I th- I agree. I think we should definitely do an episode. Uh, Kelly, prepare us a fifty-page doc and <laughs> a fourteen-page spreadsheet, and we will go to town on it. How about that?
1: Oh, Matt, spreadsheets don't come in pages.
0: <laughs> oh, uh,
1: heck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they just go eight. on and on and on. <laughs> but I'll make them. When- I'll make them.
0: Yes. Well, make 14 different spreadsheets. How about that?
1: Oh, yeah. You can insert different sheets into one document for sure. Oh, please. Yes. I got that. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Guys, thanks so much again for taking time to join me on this 300th episode. It's been very special. I do want to say a quick thing. Uh, We talked a little bit about our friend Susan, who is at Black Eyed Lily on Twitter. Um, She wasn't feeling so well uh, and messaged me tonight saying she wasn't going to make it. Uh, But you will hear her voice on an upcoming Grand Northern Conspiracy podcast, uh, which we will be recording in the near future. Uh, Also want to say hi to our friend Stephanie, uh, who joined us on a lot of the book read stuff. Um, We wish her and her family well. They're kind of going through a a thing and we want to make sure that we acknowledge that we are thinking of her and her family right now, um, in regards to some health issues within the family. So, uh, we, we really miss you guys. We wish you could have been here, but we totally understand that you can't. And we want to just, uh, send another howdy duty out to our friend, John, uh, at J underscore McGonagall on Twitter. And of course our buddy, Mike Hall at fifth column film, all of our friends over at small, uh, small council podcast, our friends at history of Westeros, um, Our friend uh, Catfish from the Joffrey of Podcasts, missed him. And uh, it's been such an amazing experience for me to be able to produce material that people actually want to consume. I cannot thank you listeners nearly enough uh, for the amount of time you've invested with me. I really appreciate the way you all reach out, the way we share Uh, thoughts and ideas and, um, when you call me out on stuff that you don't like or whatever, you know, I, I really love, um, the, the participation of this audience and, and how much that kind of sense of community has meant to me. Um, it's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me doing this and, um, thanks again so much to you all. And especially thanks to my two guests tonight, Kelly, if people want to talk to you about a song of ice and fire, uh, and get a tweet back with an attachment that has a 50 page doc with 14 different spreadsheets in it. How can they talk to you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Kelly underfoot as in, Aria underfoot, uh, on Twitter? And yeah, I usually have lots of lots of resources is usually what I, I end up sending to people. So if you just have any questions, I can send you resources. <laughs> And, and Matt, I want to thank you. I, I know everyone will be doing that tonight, and I just—you're amazing, and your self-deprecation is adorable. And we all know you how amazing you are. And I just, every time you do it, I just need to to remind you ten times how awesome you are. So thank you for being you, and for being awesome, and always supporting everything and everybody who who just reaches out to you. So thank you. Well,
0: thank you very much, <laughs> Kelly. I really appreciate it. And as I said uh at the very beginning of this podcast in the show portion, a guy that I've known now for how long has it been? Bubba, has it been nearly five years now? And uh, I've had so much fun either appearing on your podcast and especially I'm very appreciative of you appearing on so many episodes of Podcast Winterfell. Um, I regret that I only got you three followers over those five years, but man, I'm trying hard. You know, I'm, I'm going to try and get that average up to at least one a year before the end of this year is out. Um, if people want to talk to you about a song of ice and fire, uh, how can they do so?
2: Well, Matt, everybody has been thanking you so much, uh, for the great, incredible podcast winterfalls we've had all 300 of them that I think I also have to thank somebody else, me. And I want to thank me for appearing on all these shows. And the way listeners, you can thank me is by reaching out to me on Twitter and talking to me at CJG Winterfell Man. Pod. At Winterfell Pod on Twitter. That's the best oh. way.
0: <laughs> and you can find me at Fit and Trim. That's F I T T E N T R I M. See you later.
3: You've been listening to Podcast Winterfell. Find the podcast blog at podcastwinterfell.com Follow the podcast on Twitter twitter.com slash winterfellpod Contact the podcast either by email podcastwinterfell at gmail.com or by calling the listener line 314-669-1840